0: Hello, welcome to Charity Chat, I'm your host Samuel Davies. In this episode we speak with Tristan Blythe, Editor of Charity Finance at Civil Society Media, about the Government's Responsible Investment Consultation and Responsible Investment Generally. We speak about how responsible investment needs to be defined by trustees in terms of responsibilities towards the short term goals of their specific charity, but also the longer term and wider impact of investments and which direction they drive society in. This consultation closes on the 20th of May 2021 and can be found by searching online for Charity Responsible Investment Consultation or visiting the Charity Chat website and looking at the episode 139 post where we've included the link. If you're coming to this episode after the 20th of May 2021, fear not. There are learnings for you too that you can take with you into the causes you support and work for and even that you can apply personally. This is a rather expansive topic, but we are in safe hands with Tristan, who is both articulate and knowledgeable. And I'm sure, like me, you will come away from this episode with very useful insights and things to think about. This episode is brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Charity People. So without further ado, here is Tristan Blythe speaking with me about Responsible Investment. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Tristan Blythe, Editor of Charity Finance at Civil Society Media. Tristan, welcome to Charity Chat. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: So Tristan, maybe if you can start by talking about what your background is and where do your particular interests and passions in the charity sector lie?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, as you say, I'm Editor of Charity Finance magazine and I've been doing that now for Around about eighteen months. Um, and prior to that, I covered the wealth management market and uh, a company called Pam Insight for thirteen years. So very familiar with the investment side of things. Uh, and within the charity sector, I guess it's all things finance that uh, I'm interested in, whether that's the tax issues, um, reporting, um, audit, all those kind of things. And and of course the investment management that many charities have.
0: And we're talking about that today, uh, specifically the government's currently conducting a responsible investment consultation. What is this seeking to achieve?
1: One of its main aims is to clarify the precision that trustees can take on this. I think it's kind of important to have a look at kind of almost a timeline of how we got here. I think that kind of answers the question well. So responsible investment is um, an area that's been growing interest both within the investment management world, but also amongst its clients, which obviously includes a great many charities. Um, But for the charities themselves, I think there's been some uncertainty as to what they are allowed to do in this area, what their um, legal responsibilities are. So back in 2019, a coalition of charities teamed up with the law firm Bates Wells, and they were trying to get an updated legal standing on this because the previous case was pretty old by then it was from 1991 Um, and one of their criticisms for example was that that, you know that president didn't even mention climate change which clearly has become a major issue that many people are considering um, on many fronts including whether they invest in things like oil companies or, or things like that so yes this consultation i guess it really began life um in january 2020 when the charity commission launched what they termed a listening exercise which was you know identify what barriers there are stopping charities from adopting this kind of approach and in december 2020 issued its findings and one of those findings was that the current guidance wasn't clear enough didn't give the certainty that um, trustees felt that they could pursue a responsible investment approach because there was a, a belief that their position was they had to maximize returns, perhaps at all costs, and whether that meant investing in things that you know wouldn't fit with a responsible approach. So I think they're really trying to clarify that position and give trustees uh, the reassurance they need that they can take a slightly different um, look at their investments.
0: So when we're talking about investments in in this context, we're talking about the investments that charities are making to get a return, which they're then potentially reinvesting into the charity, rather than investments of uh, pensions and things like that. Yeah, that's
1: that's right. So we, we, you'll be looking at sort of a if they're a large enough charity, they'll have a an investment pot, which is usually managed by a third party, a professional investment management company um yeah and so we're talking about that and that will be producing returns for them to spend um on their charitable aims
0: so why why should charities specifically trustees of charities be taking a proactive approach to this consultation and what are the risks for them if they don't it's
1: a good question i guess really is their chance to shape this guidance which at the end of the day you know it's aimed for them it's supposed to be helpful for them um and so i guess one of the real dangers is that it doesn't clarify the issue enough so i've already had some comments when speaking to people on it that this draft guidance that's being consulted on it is still a bit too vague it's still kind of well you can look at this if you think it's a fit to do so um so there's a chance to tighten that up so if they've got any questions around you know what their actual responsibilities are in this area now's a good chance to raise those issues and try and get them resolved and i think that if they can do that they'll have much more confidence i, mean, I don't think that it will do away with every single concern that's out there um, there's still a lot of jargon around this so um, investment management companies will use slightly differing terms around responsible investment whether that's ethical whether it's green whether it's sustainable mm. and i think some of that confusion um, will remain however If the demand continues to build, which I personally believe that it it will, then there will be more pressure from clients to get some more uniformity. And uh, and I think this will help because if you have charities start to adopt this approach, then they can work together to make sure there's sort of industry standards.
0: And this consultation, it's not just for those charities that are kind of the household names that are actually delivering um, services and support it's for the likes of trusts as well and foundations too yeah
1: absolutely it's it's open to um anybody who's interested which as you say will be all those charities that have an investment portfolio or potentially believe that that will do in in the near future all of them will be welcome to make responses and i'm sure that third parties so i've mentioned people like the investment managers will be putting forward views as well as sort of um some of the umbrella organizations um so yeah it's open to anyone with a with a strong interest in the topic
0: i would imagine that uh, for most people when they think of charities spending money they see Funds coming in from supporters and then going straight back out into paying for projects and and supporting people. And they may even consider that some of these funds are going out to pay for staff wages, governance costs, etc. In a recent charity chat episode with the CEO of Muslim Aid, we discussed the future of charities and raised the issue of charities potentially finding future income from investments rather than in many cases living a hand-to-mouth existence. There are, of course, issues with restricting funds and donors wishing to support immediate work and conversations around how much charities should have in reserve as well. And of course, charities are not a monolith. But with all these caveats, do you think that raising funds through investments is something the sector and individual charities need to be considering when it comes to uh, responsible investment?
1: It's been a tough, tough time for income for many charities over the past year or so with the pandemic restrictions, and I think many of them will be looking for ways they can, you know, start to rebuild that income. And uh, for some of them, donations would may take a while to rebuild, particularly if people, you know, their their donors have had their own issues through the pandemic or or lost work, and you know, all those terrible things that we seeing go on and if they're in a position where they've got uh, money to invest then obviously yes that is a another source of income when it comes to as you said that um, people perceiving as much of their donation going on um the direct charitable acts as possible i think that that's that's an issue that um doesn't just infect investment portfolios but there are some of the other overheads that you mentioned yourself Sam um, mm. and there's a real question of communicating that and that's something that uh, you know the value for money and the impact that these funds have beyond just how many pence in a pound get spent on the on the end goal and it may be that actually for the long term putting some of that money into an investment portfolio um, because all investments sh- should be looked at as a long term you know it's not put your money in today and in six months you'll make your return it's about making sure there's money there you know, in 10 years time and whatever your time frame may be, but it's certainly the long-term. And so if you can have that, it's a nice cushion to have. And if you can make that argument that not only can you help beneficiaries of today, but the beneficiaries of tomorrow, then I think that that's really important. And when it comes to responsible investment, I think that that's part of thinking about it. It is part of thinking about the long-term. You know, the world has changed and how people make investments and what they should be investing in is also changing and this guidance hopefully will give charities the the faith that they can they can do that
0: i imagine that uh, that most charities would consider themselves forces for good and certainly seek to make the world better for those they are set up to support their their charitable objectives. How should charity leaders be assessing the trade-off between getting the biggest returns on their investments to sustain their good work and ethical investing to limit or reduce completely the negative impacts on society at large. So you've already mentioned climate change, Mm -hmm. uh, but also I suppose considering uh, things like gambling as well and, and other things that are potentially even going against, their purpose for being how should charity be weighing those two things
1: yeah i think that um to start with there is increasing evidence that a responsible investment policy or practice doesn't have a negative impact on returns um, that's kind of been the traditional view and a part of that is because traditionally when thinking about responsible investment the starting point and in fact still today that the starting point is what do you exclude? So, you know, there's the so-called sin stocks, which are things like um, gambling, alcohol, arms trade, adult entertainment, all those kind of things that many investors and charities in particular wouldn't want to be seen supporting. Cause as you say, they have a negative impact and potentially go against their, their specific aims. And then each charity will have their own limit on other areas that um, perhaps for their own particular purpose aren't suitable so that idea that okay we're going to suddenly take out all of these areas we're going to limit the universe that we're able to um we're able to invest in Mm. the sort of perceived logic there is okay well then we're cutting back returns but actually as i say there's numbers of studies and research out there showing that's not actually the case and going forward it's probably not going to be the case either particularly when you look at some of these things that people would look to exclude, um, could well end up become what's termed a stranded asset. So an asset that's actually no longer got much value. So the classic hypothetical example of this is you invest in say oil companies, we're moving towards you know, the hope of a net zero world. And if you've got oil companies that don't move along with the um, green energy momentum, they get kind of stuck and they're stuck in the old world. The world's moved on. That company no longer really has any value or is certainly left behind compared with its peers. So there's, there is a danger of that happening. Um, but also I think you've got to look at it as not just an exclusion model. There is a lot to be said for a true responsible investment programme and beings about engaging so that would be by that I mean um, as an investor or your investment manager on your behalf um, you engage with companies management to try and get them to improve their practices so it may be that there's um, there's many different causes you could look at but it could be that perhaps there's a social issue that a company you know low paid workers or uh, that something in their supply chains whether that's in the uk or overseas that's highlighted as uh, a poor governance issue as an invest as a with a stake in that company you're able to have a seat at the table whether that's at the agm or or just with uh, meetings with the management to say look this isn't on you need to change what you're doing in this area and that is a really core part of a true responsible investment practice or portfolio Um, and many investment managers will be doing this already on behalf of charities but you know getting positive actions as companies will change now obviously for that to have any kind of real threat at the end of the day you've got to have a point where you will turn around and say right you haven't changed enough so we're going to pull out this company but it's about A, it probably won't limit your financial returns, certainly not to any great extent, that's what the evidence is pointing towards. Some evidence is even pointing towards is producing better returns. And B, it's not just about excluding things, it's about using your investment to improve the situation as well. And hopefully well-run companies will give you a better return in the long run too.
0: I suppose in those scenarios where charities are uh, investing in stock or in firms, they, they have two sides of the coin there, aren't there? There's a, there's a potential benefit to them um, in terms of making public, the fact that they are involved in that industry, trying to make it better. Then I suppose the flip side of that is that if, uh, if it gets out that a charity is investing in some stock, even if their intention is to try and improve that company, if it's a, if it's a, you know got a bad record for whatever uh, reason then of course that can come back and we've seen that for a few charities in terms of their so mm-hmm. their corporate partnerships that have been questioned yeah. in the past is that is that the same kind of risk with investing as well that in a way there's kind of a um there's an incentive on a kind of a pr level for charities to make sure that they are investing in good companies rather than bad and to be very aware of what they are investing in
1: yeah, absolutely. There is a real reputational risk there. You're completely right. And I think that in a way it's very difficult to talk about this because as you said yourself, charities are not one, you know, homogenous block. They're, they're very different. So what might be right for one charity to say, I definitely am not going to touch that because it goes completely against their purpose. Another one might say, well, actually, you know, what we can maybe exclude it include the worst offenders but work with the best in class so those companies that are doing the right things and try and help improve them and and work with them on that but of course yes there, there is that danger Whereas you can make a case for for the engagement side of things but you've got to know where you draw your line and for each charity that's probably going to be slightly different
0: So what what do you hope the Government Responsible Investment Consultation will achieve for the sector at large and and also for society?
1: Um, Well, I think it it comes back again to that clarity for trustees so that they um, feel they have the confidence and the right um, to put in place um, the correct responsible investment policy and um, procedures for their charity. And I hope that that will lead to an increased amount of cha- or an increase number of charities that, that do this. Um, I mean we're already seeing you know that for me there is clear interest in taking this route which you know it will help protect them in the long term as society changes. I think that there, it is going to become more of the norm of investing. I think with, as I think I mentioned earlier, many investment managers are now offering these kind of responsible investment packages to all their investors, including charities. And I think that that's the real momentum is there behind it. And so to give charities the faith they can move into it and that their investment potentially can be doing good alongside their charitable work, or at least doing, you know, avoiding any, doing any harm inadvertently. um, I think that's really positive. And I think that the other thing that I would possibly say is that it's, it's kind of catching up with where we are in the investment world. This is, potentially going to become mainstream investing. And that's certainly what a number of people think. And I can see the momentum for that in the future, it's not going to be a case of responsible investment. All those things would be a natural factor when making an investment, because at the end of the day, if you're an investment manager, you're going to be looking for a well-run company that's going to be around for a long time and it's going to generate value. And as the world changes, the so-called sin stocks I mentioned earlier, and creeks, certainly not going to fall into that that category.
0: Is there a kind of a similarity or a synergy with the types of reasons that people invest in ethical stock, and the reasons that invest people invest in? charities in terms of making their donations is there is there a similar similar purpose i suppose in one case you're you're potentially getting a return in terms of financial return in another um you know the the return is in feeling that you're making a difference in the world and and if that's the case is there a kind of opportunity and a risk with more people investing money into stock and is potential that that's going to be um diverted from investing money into charities and is there a way that charities can maybe start thinking about that in terms of uh, future proofing
1: yeah i guess that there, there is a potential danger there i think that um i think when it comes to donating to charity there's very often an emotional reason behind that so you will be touched by a particular court maybe that there's a reason that it overlaps with your life or or something like that or just the story touches you whereas obviously with investment it's slightly less emotional even in terms of responsible investment where you you may have your own no-go areas whether you're an individual or, or a charity um and i think that there's one thing you, that you can say without don't want to make too much of a sweeping statement but um many people in the uk wouldn't see investment as an option for them um listen mm. so they'd be more likely to perhaps donate um, to a charity i think that there's uh, there's perhaps and this is a completely separate issue but perhaps um a lack of knowledge on the investment issues that are available to them um, when it comes to members of the public but they know that they can donate to charity but i would say that it's um yeah,
0: there's potential for that to happen. And I guess on the kind of on the uh, the low level uh, investing front, I know there's lots of articles. I suppose based on the um, the kind of booms of things like Bitcoin, uh, which have uh, kind of highlighted that you know kind of people that people are kind of making small investments individually as a kind of a gold rush to get an immediate um, kind of return. But as you say, the the investments we're talking about, the kind of the bigger investments, the investment managers, they're looking at longer term investments, aren't they, to to produce a return over time?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, that kind of short term investment um, would not be something that would be a key part of an investment strategy. There may be occasional strategic calls to be made, but really um where the investment managers are looking for um charities or individuals or pension funds whatever it may be they will be looking over the long term and you know there's always the risk in the short term of some form of volatility and a stock market um mm. dip and you can get you can get hit by that too. you have to be able to ride that out and know that you know the odds are things will come come back up again over time and be in the right place for that and I think that that's kind of uh, the mindset that you have to be in. You're right that you know maybe for individuals, some of those things grab their attention, like you said, Bitcoin or whatever, with the headlines. And there are more and more um, online platforms in which you can invest money um, into sort of managed funds, where the you know, you're one of many investors in it, and that would be managed by a professional, and that would be long term. And some of those are ethical or responsible products so you know obviously it'd be good to see not just charities taking this route but everyone who has some form of investment doing that because a will have the same benefits as i've already said for charities and b hopefully will have a positive impact on society at large
0: tristan Blythe, thank you for contributing to charity Chat.
1: no thank you very much um, it was great to chat
0: big thank you there to Tristan Blythe for sharing his knowledge and expertise with us at Charity Chat. Speaking with Tristan about this consultation highlighted to me the question all charities need to be asking themselves when it comes to how they invest. In this conversation we spoke specifically about those charities who have some money in the bank that they can invest, perhaps an endowment. Or accrued reserves which pay levels of interest that are used to fund the charity's work. For many charities this is a foreign concept of course and even the largest charities have on average only two months of free reserves according to a recent uh, civil society post. Um, but with many trusts and foundations specifically raising funds from investments that they can then donate in line with their charitable objectives, how can these funds work effectively within the investment world to support ethical industries and companies, as well as maximising a return that can then be invested into charitable causes. It strikes me that charity leaders, including charity trustees, need to ensure that they have the expertise, both within themselves and around them, to navigate this question. Environmental charities, for example, may not want to hold stock in energy companies that still use fossil fuels unless their reason for doing so is part of a strategy to have a seat at the table and to change the practices of that company to move to renewable energy. Or perhaps that same charity will invest any funds it has into existing renewable energy companies to support the expansion of their work to take a larger share of the market away from the company that uses fossil fuels. Either way, the charity has a responsibility to make the best use of their funds, whether they are from long-deceased founding donor or many donors with a desire to see positive change in their lifetimes. Charities must also consider the ramifications of their investments for their cause, but also for the greater good. Issues such as climate catastrophe, wars, even gambling, will affect us all and only contribute to making the world more needful of charities. Then there's the question of whether charities should have funds to invest, with one argument for doing so, already mooted by Kashif Shabir in episode 131 of the podcast, that charities need to be thinking about long-term fundraising, and return from investments can help to ensure a move from hand-to-mouth fundraising. Of course, for donors, this might take some convincing, given that So many causes are in desperate need and many of us are moved to give by the promise of seeing the impact of our support in the short term. Money has the power to do good and to do harm and those with that power need to think hard about how they use it responsibly. The desire for change is measured by the fear of the unknown. This consultation may be a good starting point for many organisations and individuals to understand more about ethical investment and the impact this can have on their hopes for the future. If we're truly to change the world for the better then we must also seek to understand how our actions both active and passive, are affecting the world we live in today and make changes to optimise our positive impact and limit the damage. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear from you either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, our platinum sponsor charity people for enabling us to continue to share insights and expertise and best practice across our sector. Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk and Forrester Fools who have been playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can speak to you soon cheerio bye-bye